0: all right good morning and happy sunday all welcome to weightless in mind body and spirit with your host dr carol penn yours truly and who am i i'm a doubly board certified family medicine doc and obesity medicine specialist i'm also your master movement meditation and mindset coach two-time best-selling author, speaker, presenter, podcaster, wife, mom, daughter, global citizen, and I am so happy to be here with you today and introducing our guest, Dr. Sunul Corielis. But before I get to that introduction, let's just talk a little bit about you know, obesity medicine, and what we're going to be talking about today. So as you come on, please let us know where you're signing in from. Good morning, Linda. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for joining us. Uh, Dr. Sunil, you're going to soon see that we have quite a lively audience, Mm -hmm. quite a a bit of engagement, lots of... uh, opportunities to answer on-air questions. So we might not even get through all of our questions because this audience is so engaged. Good morning, Victoria, Delaware in the house. Good morning, good morning, and welcome. So I just want to start with a little definition because I've discovered like many of the medical specialties or subspecialties, a lot of people don't necessarily know uh, what obesity medicine is or even what a definition of obesity is and why it's uh, being come to be viewed as a disease state or a risk factor in a disease process so let's go with this definition that I like It's uh, one that I really really like that um, I learned through the Obesity Medicine Association as the resource. So what is obesity? Obesity is defined as a chronic relapsing multifactorial neurobehavioral disease wherein an increase in body fat promotes adipose tissue dysfunction and abnormal fat mass physical forces resulting in adverse metabolic Biomechanical and psychosocial health consequences. And of course, you know, you're right in there with that uh, wheelhouse of the adverse metabolic consequences because, as everyone's going to come to know very shortly, you are a cardiologist. And I love that. definition because it has that word multifactorial in it and neurobehavioral. And we also know it's a uh, disease that remits. It's not like it has an endpoint or a cure, but it's relapsing and remitting. And so a person has to work on it consistently, consistently, you know, and take that whole life Approach So I just wanted our wonderful audience as they're starting to come in here to understand what a definition, a working definition of obesity could be and then how it plays such a role in all of our body systems and particularly, you know, in the cardiovascular health. So everyone, as you're coming in, you all know what to do. Go ahead drop it in the chat who you are, where you're from. Get ready to ask your questions and to engage. I always say get out your pens and papers because this is an informational program where you could take notes. We are providing education only. We are not diagnosing or treating but we are educating and uplifting through that. So let's go ahead Dr. Sunil Coriella, shall we? All right. So he is one of our nation's most acclaimed cardiovascular physicians and surgeons, board-certified cardiologist. Dr. Sunil Koryelis is also a nationally recognized wellness speaker, consultant, and media personality. Dr. Coryellis is the founder and chief executive officer of Coriolis Cardiology, and he shares his knowledge via his Facebook live show Meducation. with his credentials and sub- superb bedside manner. It's no wonder that the doctor is on track to revolutionize community-based heart healthcare across America. Welcome, Dr. Sunul.
1: Thank you so much, Carol, for having me. Thank you very much. It's a wonderful Sunday morning.
0: Yes, happy Sunday. And you know, gratitude uh, to you for being here and gratitude to your family for letting us borrow you for an hour on a Sunday morning. And I also have to give a shout out to the, the team that's behind this show and, and Penn Global Visions and, you know, my beloved who does so many things, you know, off screen and behind the camera, just making sure that this type of information to come forward. So thank you, DM. Thank you, Shani. Thank you, Melanie, the Penn Global Visions team. And, you know, and I have to say thank you to my mom this morning who's in the hospital, uh, you know, dealing with an illness. And uh, she she's with us all the way. She's with us all the way in terms of this. So I'm grateful to her, my parents and all of our ancestors, because that's how we get to be here. And to share and bring forward our knowledge. So, Dr. Sunil, I know you as the expert cardiologist that you are. Actually, we first met at an educational Good morning, Dr. Dietrich, and wel- welcome at an educational event. And we were, you know, on, on a panel. We were strangers to each other at that point. But what soon followed was to become a friendship. So I'm deeply appreciative of that heart-to-heart connection that we have as friends. And that's part of the reason for the name of my show, Weightless in Mind, Body, and Spirit. Not only am I talking about the actual physiology, but I'm also talking about the emotional aspect, the psychological, the spiritual aspect. So Dr. Sunil, what else would you like our amazing audience to know about you this morning?
1: Well, well, thank you again, uh, Carol, for the opportunity to be in, uh, here with you sharing this moment that I think is so tremendous. Uh, and uh, I know I'm supposed to let the audience know about me, but I want to say that uh, I applaud you for really all that you're doing, uh, putting on this show, and uh, really uh, your involvement in community education and uplifting, as you said it. Um, and I think that uh going back to when we met at that, uh, uh, conference, uh, when, when we shared that panel, I think that's one thing that resonated. That's what, that was one of our areas of synergy. That is, uh, we, I think both are committed and really passionate about, uh, community and, and empowerment and education. And, and I think for me, um, that's where it really, uh, uh starts. That's where I, uh, my, my, my heart lies, and, and that's really what led me to becoming a cardiologist. Um, I, uh, uh, before I go into it further, um, as you mentioned, I am a board-certified cardiologist. I am a CEO of Choyalus Cardiology and a national wellness speaker. And uh, I, through my cardiology practice, help men, at the prime of their lives, Mm. to live the best time of their lives while protecting them from dying of heart disease. And so how did I get there? How did I become so passionate about uh, helping the community, especially those men who are at higher risk of dying of heart disease? Mm. Um, How did I venture into that? And to me, it was really a person, it was truly personal. What uh, I have not shared um, uh, perhaps with you and most of the audience uh, that, as, that is listening now, is that uh, my dad died of heart disease at a young age. He was, was in his early 60s, and uh, I was, in my 20 I was, I was just barely turning 20. And, I, and the interesting thing about that was that at the time when I, when he died, I just joined him um, in the States from Haiti. I just moved from Haiti to join him after many years of separation. So we were really getting reacquainted, getting to know each other. When he left, I was three. So I barely knew him then. So really, I was getting ready to get reacquainted, to get to know my dad and, and he uh, and just like that, heart disease took him from me. So you can imagine heart disease and I, you know, we we really have something going on, right? So so, I, so that was my passion. That lied, my passion, because I remember very vividly how he was fighting heart disease with very little knowledge of the condition. It was as if he was in a war and yet did not have any tools to defend himself. Uh, he's, he was doing all those things that uh, we have come to be uh, uh, customary that we don't do to, if we have heart disease. You know, he was eating, he had heart failure and yet he was eating a lot of salt loaded uh, food and uh, he, was, he was just uh, as a result miserable and uh, very symptomatic and, uh, I, uh, and subsequently he, he, he died. Um, so that led me to becoming a cardiologist. And, uh, and subsequently, as I became to started practicing as a cardiologist fast forward ten years later, I realized a lot of the patients I was taking care of were just like my dad, even though uh, you know they had their condition, they did not know how to defend himself, they did not know really the tools um, how to take care of the condition. It was really a a great disconnect. So that really led to my purpose, my purpose to really uh, empower the community, to really going into the community and speak to them and connect with them and talk to them in ways that is uplifting, that uh, educates them, that tells them why they need to do certain things in a way that they can understand. And that to me is a way forward. And so I think that's how we got started. That's how we connected through yes. through those encounters of uh, our co- uh, community uh, uh educational sessions. And uh and so uh now we have uh uh uh, started launch education uh, that is uh, medical education yeah. that's really pertaining to the community uh, um, so it has uh, 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 through that we we have the ability we we we're able to connect to the community in ways that really help them to make sense of their conditions and rise arise their awareness and also empower them to do better if they know better they will do better
0: Yes, so thank you so much, and oh, you know, just so heart moving and heartfelt to you know hear the story about your father, after you know to a child you know twenty years that's a lifetime, and then to arrive here only to lose him so so shortly. So and oh, welcome Dr. Onika and welcome Patricia. Good morning and welcome to Weightless and Mind Body and Spirit. So one of the things that you know there's a lot of stories going on right now because of what's happening in the in the pandemic where we are you know losing fathers, mothers, sisters, brothers, aunts, uncles. And one of the things that the pandemic has underscored if you will is healthcare disparity and the gap that exists there. And I'm wondering if you could just talk for a few minutes about the healthcare disparities, COVID-19 and what you're seeing.
1: Oh yes, uh, COVID-19, I, I, I mean, as like you said, really uncovered what we have been known for many years that is a significant disparity in healthcare outcome in our community, particularly to uh, those uh, chronic diseases uh, that heart disease is really the number one when you talk about that. Uh, and uh, and not only that, heart disease being the number one uh, 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 killer in our community, our black and brown people in our community are dying disproportionately of heart disease and heart failure. And so COVID has really uncovered that, uncovered in a sense that COVID is almost uh, like a, Almost uh some people look at it as a hot disease condition because mm-hmm. most of the uh clinical manifestations you know there are three phases of the uh, 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 uh covid uh, uh, nineteen clinical manifestations right the first phase is the viral replication um that's when you know the the viral load goes mm-hmm. through the roof after uh, uh exposure the second phase is the pulmonary phase that's when they develop the respiratory symptoms and then they, there's the the third phase which is the most severe case uh, that's the uh um, overwhelming inflammatory response that uh, patients develop and so a lot of times you know those folks uh, definitely end up in the intensive care unit with uh, uh they need to be intubated they have uh, uh, develop heart failure, um, they develop uh, uh, thrombotic events, PEs uh, or thrombotic uh, strokes, and so um, those are those patients don't fare well. And and we know that the more likely people to get to the phase three are those with chronic conditions, particularly those with underlying heart disease and underlying uh, um, uh, hypertension. Um, chronic kidney disease and whatnot. So, uh, so, so, COVID has really delineated that uh, that uh, population to the extent that we see a lot more of the black and brown people dying because they are the ones really with the chronic conditions. They are the ones with the heart conditions to sort out with. And so, so, it's really uh, uh, behooves upon us to see how did they get there? How did we get there? How did our community? Uh, disproportionately, ended up getting so sick with all those chronic conditions, and so uh, we, in order to do that, I think we need to look at the approach of care, uh, how healthcare is delivered in our community, mm-hmm. and I think uh, I think uh, our community needs to understand the difference between healthcare and disease care. Uh, I think that's a very systemic distinction that needs to be made because a lot of times our community does not understand the difference because a lot of times you driving on the highway you see all those health systems those hospitals are putting up the billboard number one in the region for heart disease what does what that means is that they are number one in treating acute heart disease that is the acuteness of the disease um so they are that's they talk they're speaking for the disease state, disease care, okay? So that's not, for me, that's not what I want, you know? I want the hospital who's number one in preventing me from getting the heart, heart attack. Okay, so so when you tell me that you're number one in the region in, you know, in heart attack treatment, oh! And so our community needs to understand that. And so the hospitals um, um, are not, equipped. They are not in the in the business. They are not historically in the business of healthcare. They are primarily, a lot of them, their bottom line, when you look at the mission, the mission is in disease, disease care, acute disease care, particularly. That's where they invest a lot of their, in their infrastructures. Uh, You know, they have all those, you know, gadgets for acute diagnostic uh, and treatment. So, so, what we need, we need to take a different approach. We need to focus on those those uh, 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 healthcare settings where we're able to get uh, um, this healthcare, true healthcare.
0: Absolutely, and, I'm I'm smiling and laughing right. because a lot, you know, I just want to emphasize to our our audience: a lot of people don't know the difference between disease care and healthcare, and what we see on those. Billboards is, as you're saying, it is advertising disease care. This is where you show up when the horse is out of the barn. It's right. gone. You know, you're having a heart attack. I always say, you know, if I'm going to have a heart attack, let me be in the middle of Fifth Avenue, someplace. You know, where <laughs> you know every hospital in every which direction within five minutes has a cath lab. That's right.
1: That's that's
0: not right. what. That's not who I need to live my life that's not okay. my need for prevention. So what are some of the areas when you talk about healthcare and prevention that our audience needs to be most aware of?
1: That's a great uh, question, uh, Carol. I think for me it uh, it goes back to um our pine- our pioneer physicians uh, doctor I have to mention dr N- Engel and dr Romano who back in the 1960s came up with uh, the concept of the biopsychosocial model of care mm-hmm. and so really and that's where and that's where you come in Carol where you looking at look, look at the individual you look at the, the the patient and not the disease so that's what dr. Angle uh, and Dr. Romano so astutely uh, uh, advocated for back in, in the 60s. They were far ahead of their time. And yet now this is when it's really most relevant. Now that we know that we cannot be tracing diseases, we have to look at the patients. We have to look at the patients in order to be able to make a difference, in order to be able to really impact, make the transformation that we need to make in order to be able to resonate to them why they need to do what they need to do. And so um, my prescription, really, some of the things that uh, I can go into it uh, uh, for, from the perspective of the providers and also from the perspective of the patients, what are some of those things that they need to be aware of in order to be able to move healthcare ahead, in order to be able to reach the ultimate um, uh, wellness and so for the, for, the, for the physicians, you know, taking that biopsychosocial model, what that's gonna do is gonna lead them to increase empathy. They have to have that higher high level of empathy. They have to want that. They have to have that uh, in order to be able to connect with the patients at the level where they able to not only decrease the fear in the patient, because believe it or not, when the patients are coming in, they have a lot of fear. They don't know, they are in a new environment. They don't know what's going on. They're anxious. They're not, they're not at ease. So to empathize, to be able to uh, come alongside of the patient really is very critical in order to bring that patient to a state of ease. And that will lead them to be able to uh, have faith. Now they have faith. Now they believe now we can move along. Okay. So, uh, so to, to get in that state of empathy as a provider means that you have to be willing to be vulnerable. You have to be willing to step out of your own shoe into the patient's shoes to be able to really understand where they're coming from, where they are, and, and, uh, and be able to, uh, uh, into, into the, the next, next thing to empathy is really lean in to be able to uh, meet the patients where they are. In order to want to meet them where they are, you have to be willing to step out of your own unsure. So definitely uh, meet the patients where they are is really the next critical thing because then you're able to really lead them along to that path of wellness but they cannot be pulled in and which is, I think as our system of healthcare is set up right now, it pulls patients in. You have 10, 15 minutes to see a patient. There's no way you're gonna want, you're gonna be able to be come alongside them and be able to really uh, help them to wellness. Unless you and you really intentional, you take, you willing to really be uh, um, mindful of that and making it happen and mm-hmm. uh, invested, invested into that. So, so, so that what we find is that uh, there's not a lot of, uh, acota- ac- what I, that's what I call accompaniment of the patients towards wellness. There's not a lot of that, but so much of pulling and, and pushing. And here's this prescription here, go, go, uh, go, go take it. And, you know, and I can understand why the patient will not go home and take that prescription because, you know, it, it doesn't make sense. It's like, what? You know, my dad, he, he did not take those 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 uh, prescriptions. He did not. And I remembered you. I remembered he uh, he would. This was this was twenty years back. But my dad will go and get leeches to put on his legs to get the because his legs were swollen from heart failure. So I mm-hmm. believe the leeches were going to cure the. The condition; those are the kind of things that are happening, even in our community here, because we are not helping folks understand why, why they need to do so, right. why certain what recommendations.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, What about from the patient point of view? What do the patients need to know? So, if you're yeah. a patient engaging with the healthcare system or with your doctor,
1: yes. So, for the patient, for the patient, and that's where we uh, uh, very much, uh, 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 we do what we do, because we think that the patient's knowledge and understanding needs to be be, uh, uh, there. Because a lot of times when they go to the doctor, I'm not sure, the doctor may not be able to communicate to them in ways that they understand what is being said about their conditions. And so having some basic understanding as to why, what is, heart, what is heart failure? And why do you not want to eat the salt? Okay, why do you not want to drink a lot of water? Help them understanding that, having that knowledge is very important. It's very critical uh, to being able to really conquer Heart disease and conquer any condition for that matter. And uh, and uh, secondly, they need to be uh, heighten their level of awareness because a lot of times then they when they when they uh, have the condition, it's easy for them to put it on the back seat and it's easy for them to go into a state of denial. And so, um, helping them understand will also help heighten the level of awareness to the point where. They now are intentionally uh, taking steps to making those healthy uh, um, uh, measures that are prescribed into action, to take those into action. And thirdly, it's uh, really helping the patients embrace their nature. To embrace their nature is really where their faith comes in. You know, they have to have faith that uh, they will get through. Uh, uh, the condition. They have to have faith. that God will not let them astray. They have to understand that. So helping them understand that, helping them embrace their, uh, their nature, uh, really, uh, help, it's really important courage into them. Important courage that will help them to really embrace and push through. And so that they can see the, uh, the rainbow at the end of the storm. That is the wellness that's to come.
0: All right. And so what about, you know, often I know, you know, patients come in and they seem a little bit confused, like, you know, they don't know what a normal blood pressure is. They don't know when they get their labs back. They really don't understand, you know, a lot about their labs. But, you know, they don't. Let's take lipids, for example. They don't know what that normal range is could be so just for educational and informational purposes could you talk a little bit about what the normal range is so when a a, a patient comes in and they get their vital signs done you know why should they care why should they say well what's my blood pressure today and what does that mean and then when they get their basic labs back and they look at their lipid panel what does that mean and what what's the normal ranges? Where should they be concerned? And even if you want to go into a little bit of the the medications, because people think that somehow a little bit of magical thinking. Well, my my lipid profile is elevated, and you know my LDLs are high. But doc, I don't want to go on any medication. Yeah. So. Yeah.
1: Right. No, certainly. I think uh, uh, that's where part. That's where we have to work on imparting. Uh, knowledge to them so that they can, again, the, we can raise their awareness. So when it comes to hypertension, hypertension is the number one leading cause of heart disease and heart failure. So it is significant, and stroke for that matter. So, and, and the, 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 the really uh, challenging things about hypertension is that it is a, what we call a silent killer. That is, you are not going to have any symptoms until it knocks you out. You know, it knocks your kidneys out or it uh, start uh, it causes your heart failure. Um, it causes your your stroke. So it is very important to know what the numbers are, what the numbers mean uh, as a community so that we're able to ask the proper questions and be able to make sure that we get to go. Because interestingly enough, for as much as we know about the definition of hypertension, that is the systolic, the, the systolic the top number should be less than 40 uh uh in, anything above 40 at this point is considered hypertension um and uh, say 130
0: or 140.
1: 140
0: 140
1: 140 yes although there's uh uh the uh, there's there's push to really have it more stricter uh, um, definition where we call the pre-hypertension where you start earlier the one thirty to one forty, but uh, but for the most part, all the studies that have been uh, uh, carried out um, have the definition of hypertension the systolic the top number above one forty. So in the bottom in the bottom number the diastolic number between above ninety. But certainly uh, between 80 and 90 in the diastolic in the bottom number is an, a, a warning sign, the pre uh, where you want to start being uh, uh, alerted and concerned. Okay. But uh but uh, we start will start your treatment at that w- above 140 and above 90 range. And so as much as we we've known that de- we've had that definition for a long time, we've known that. Uh, we have done uh, a poor job getting people to go. Mm -hmm. Those patients who are, you know, 150s, 160s, we are not able, as long as we've been, we've defined it, we know they are there. We have not done a good job as a medical community to get them to go. And there are a lot of factors to that, but one of the Factors that will certainly help is really educating our community, our folks to know those numbers. If they know the numbers is off, especially when they go to this doctor and uh, they will ask the question, what is my top number, Doc? What is my bottom number? Oh, my top number is up, Doc. What, what? So what are we going to do about it? Okay. Right. So now we, you have a patient who is now engaged. You have a patient who is engaged because they know. And so when they know, as the right question. Now, they, now they they become the best self advocate because we do know also that the best health self care is the best health care. Once the patients know yeah. better, they can become the best self advocate. Yeah. Now they can really ask the right question, the proper question. And when you ask the right question, you will seek. The, you will find the answers. So is the man- uh, yeah.
0: Is the ideal you know like perfect blood pressure? that 120 over 70. A lot of people want to know what is the the perfect number. So is that, you know, the latest in terms of what's looked at as the perfect number?
1: Yes. So so that that is the goal like for it's particularly if you have underlying heart disease, if you have underlying heart failure, if you have diabetes, that is the number to shoot for because we know that when your blood pressure is much higher than that, you tend to be uh, uh, more at risk for further complications from the underlying conditions. So so we have stricter uh, numbers when you have those underlying chronic conditions, especially if you have had strokes, uh, you've had uh, hypertension, but uh, certainly it does not hurt to get your blood pressure as low as can be. And, uh, and, and so one might ask, okay, how can I get my blood pressure as low as, as can be? Well, it's really, um, uh, when you start looking at some of the overall, uh, ways of well, health and wellness that you and you, Carol, uh, are uh, prescribe and preach about every day. You know, you talk about yeah. things that will reduce stress because we do know that stressors, uh, you know, especially on day to day stress from life, you know, from work, home, those tend to cause you to be more hypertensive, drive the blood pressure up. It's almost like the fight or flight situation when you're going to, uh, to a fight. You want your blood pressure to be low or high? You know, nature, mother nature, mother nature. God is a, is a is the ultimate engineer. God is is great, you know. And so God will, will has as uh you know uh said it that if you're gonna go to a fight or flight situation, it's gonna make sure you get the the best pressure to really pump, get that heart, get get that pressure up, so it can give you the uh the energy that you need to get to that fight. But that That becomes pathological when you are staying in a constant state of stress on a day-to-day basis. So that's why stress should be up and down. It should be, you know, it should be up and down. That's the healthy, that's the normal, natural process. And so if you're not, if you if you feel yourself or find yourself in in a state of constant stress, you want to adapt those measures, those practices that will help you to alleviate some of the stress, like meditation. And yeah. how uh, you can speak to those, uh, you know, uh, yoga, all those different practices will certainly help you to decrease that stress level. And that will in turn lead you to decrease, uh, yeah, decrease your blood pressure, yes.
0: So there's a question from one of our, our very intelligent audience. And the question is, is if you get COVID-19, um, uh, physiologically speaking, what is happening in the heart and if you have underlying chronic conditions, that is causing heart failure. So what is actually happening with COVID-19 and, you know, within the context of underlying chronic conditions?
1: Okay. So COVID, that's a great question uh, yeah. and uh, very stood audience uh, members we have yeah, that's on a Sunday, I mean. Sunday morning, I might add. You
0: know, yes.
1: that, that, is, that is awesome. That is great. Uh, so COVID-19 is really a, um, a, 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 a differentiator. It really adds another layer to what we've known about heart disease. So let's say you have heart disease, you have heart failure, underlying heart failure, and now you put COVID-19 on top of that. You really are really. It's a double whammy, you know, and and so it. That's why those folks with underlying conditions fare worse because now they don't have the bandwidth to be able to fight. To, to, they don't have that clinical uh, uh, resilience to be able to pull through. And so, COVID nineteen is uh, uh, just by the way of uh, of is a pathophysiology, the way it affects the, uh, uh, the cells. It goes through what's called the ACE2 receptor. So it binds to the ACE2 receptors and get into the, uh, the organs. And so a lot of, uh, of, uh, organs in our body have, have, uh, the ACE2 receptors. So that's why it's, uh, uh, the clinical manifestation is so, uh, widespread from stroke to uh, uh, respiratory problems because it affects the lungs. So heart problems as it affects the heart, uh, gut, uh, people have, uh, GI symptoms. And, uh, so, um, when you, when you, uh, face with that, and also it does cause, uh, the acute inflammatory response, that's almost like a thrombotic, uh, phenomenon where you start developing clots everywhere. And so when you're finding that when you have these, uh, a burden of, uh, of uh, clinical disease, then you're putting a higher load. It's almost like you're talking about fight or flight. This is really a, a big fight yeah, that you're putting t- uh, to your body. And, and if you have heart failure, you know, you're know putting that strain on the heart uh, from uh, all that uh, um uh, inflammatory response, it really can be detrimental, and that's why a lot of people don't fare well. That's why the prognosis is so poor in that uh, sub, subgroup of people with underlying chronic conditions.
0: So now when you, you talk about that um, massive inflammatory response, this is where we hear some of the scientists uh, talking about, you know, the cytokine, cascade did you you know talk a little bit uh, about that because there was at one point they were telling telling people not to take ibuprofen take acetaminophen, because it was less likely that you would get this cytokine cascade that is a part of the inflammation process so perhaps you can bring a little clarity to that for our viewers
1: yes absolutely so so the, we, we certainly know that the uh overwhelming inflammatory response is uh, uh, cytokine release, is cytokine driven. It's really the body now trying to fight that infection and it really uh, takes it to the next level to the point where now it becomes pathological. And uh, and so some of the ways that uh, we have initially thought of, of fighting that was really through uh, uh, using steroids uh steroids to kind of quiet down that uh information. Although uh we still uh the jury is still out, our effective. That is just because by the time you get clinically to that point, it's uh that overwhelming uh information is so far out that it's really so much harder to reverse. Uh so now you're playing catch up. You you play it's almost like you you're doing some patching work. Um, so that's why now the, 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 the emphasis uh, on the trials when Danavir, uh is really, uh, that's the drug that really seems to be like uh, leading the pack in terms of uh, being a little bit more effective in controlling the cascade, the clinical manifestation. And uh, that targets the phase one, the viral replication. So if you're able to catch it at the phase one, you're able to treat it at phase one, then you're more ahead of the pack. You're able to really uh, 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 take care of that. But but even before it gets to phase one, and I would be remiss, you know, as a preventive cardiologist, not to mention really the key is in prevention. It's really from prevent you from catching it from that start. We have to mention about those uh, preventive measures, you know, the uh, safe practices that, we still need to take in order to prevent the condition from uh, from, catch, from catching the condition to start out with, because uh, we know to prevent is so much easier than to treat. Yes,
0: yes, so, yes. Yeah. <laughs> An ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure, absolutely. one of those old time sayings that's absolutely true.
1: So so, 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 you know, Social distancing is still it is not a thing in the past. It's, we still have to practice social distancing. Um, we still have to really wash our hands, and uh, if we're going out, we gotta put our face mask on. And uh, and lastly, if we're sick, if we feel any kind of uh, uh, discomfort, uh, uh, you know, that is our body talking to us. We have to listen and stay home.
0: That's yeah. right. That's right. Well, I like to welcome. Karen, to our show, Karen is a dear friend that lives all the way over in Pakistan, so wow. we truly have a an international
1: are
0: which is wonderful. Um, because again, you know, in the setting of the of covid nineteen we 're talking about a global pandemic it's you know it 's everywhere we are you know it is nowhere where we are not so again and and how this is all tying into cardiovascular health is really fantastic so i 'm sure some of our viewers are going to want to know how to get in touch with dr Sunul. so how can they reach you or find you on social media? Because I know that you also have a show and that you come and you speak regularly in terms of medication yeah. and health care, cardiovascular health care in the community. So where can they find you?
1: I actually uh I'm on Facebook like you said uh, we do have the show medication again it's uh it's about uh, empowering the community and really break it down in uh, uh ways that make sense why you should do what you need to do and uh, and make it make sense for you so we are at uh, uh Facebook at uh, DR Dr Koyalos uh DR uh it's Dr. Sanul Koyalas, D-R-S-A-N-U-L-C-O-R-R-I-E-L-U-S.
0: All right, I'm going to put that um, in the banner so people can take that down. Is there a website or an email that you'd like to share? Because I'll make sure that our audience gets all that information.
1: Yes, absolutely. Our uh, practice website is www.koyalascardiology.com. It's C O R R I E L U S C A R D I O L O G Y dot com.
0: I'm sorry, so it's Coriolis Cardiology
1: C A R D I O L O G Y dot
0: All right, is there, do you want an email address? Is
1: no. That- Yes, absolutely. Uh, we are at, uh, I can, we can be reached at info mm-hmm. at CoriolisCardiology.com. So it's I N F O dot, it's I N F O at C O R R I E L U S C A R D I O L O G Y dot
0: com. Excellent, excellent. So, I like to get back to that other question talking about, you know, the lipids. So, this is something we see in part of the basic labs that are being ordered. And what about the lipids? What about what's normal there? And when should a person begin to be concerned? Thank you, Dr. Dietrich. Dr. Dietrich just dropped it in the chat for, for the Facebook uh, community to see all that. And I'm gonna put it on the show's banner as well. So should t- talk to us a little bit about lipids and what does that mean? What are we looking for?
1: Yes, so, so why is lipids important? We do know that uh, hyperlipidemia is one of the leading causes of heart disease. And so we need to be cognizant of the lipid uh, levels and uh, what are some of those things that are driving the lipid levels up, okay? So, uh, so the, uh, in general terms, the, we, when we get the panel, we get the total cholesterol, We get the LDL cholesterol, which is broken down into LDL cholesterol, which is the bad cholesterol, and the uh, uh, HDL cholesterol, which is the good cholesterol. So the total cholesterol, we uh, 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 the normal range is less than 200. So if you are above 200, you know that you are in uh, a state, what we call hypercholesterolemia. And uh, for the good cholesterol, the the sweet spot is really uh, less than 120 if you do not have any underlying chronic conditions, if you do not have a, a hypertension or diabetes. But if you do have uh, diabetes in particular, you want that bad cholesterol to be as low as possible. Some people will say then 70. 70 is uh, the goal that we shoot for. And 70 is also the goal that we shoot for for those who also have underlying heart disease if you already have heart attack and uh and your heart failure 70 is the range that you're shooting for for the bad cholesterol as low as 70. and for the uh, good cholesterol you want that number to be as high as possible and so what that means is uh really uh, uh, uh close to 50 Anything uh, less, than, uh, less than 40 in the 30s is low. So you want it uh, uh, 40s, 40s and above. Uh, ideally, 50 uh, is what we should for when it comes to um, the uh, good cholesterol. And so a lot of uh, things that lead to high cholesterol, it's really, uh, I, I should mention, a lot, uh, heart disease is a lifestyle disease. It is uh, imparted upon you based on a lot of times what you eat. And so what a lot of times lead to high cholesterol, which is one of the leading cause of heart disease, is really what you eat. So you have to be cognizant of that. Some of the food that lead to high cholesterol, high cholesterol, you know, is uh, those uh, food that are um, uh, loaded with high saturated fat, those, uh, uh, Margarine, you know, you're talking about uh, a lot of the cheeses uh, will lead to that. You know, a lot of the meat, uh, red meat in particular, um, will lead to high cholesterol. And uh, um, so what you want to do is really try to uh, uh, cut down or, or be aware of your diet. Uh, uh, what I I have a general formula for diet uh, Um that is to go lean and green. Lean meaning that you're going to, if you're going to eat the meat, you're going to eat the meat that is lean. So how do, you, you may say, how do you know a meat is lean? Okay, I have a, I have a good way of uh, of knowing that too, okay? So think about, if, the way I think about it, if you have to kill it to eat it, and it put it puts on a big fight. Then you know it's not lean, <laughs> okay? <laughs> so it's, so if it's you know like like the fish, right? If you have to kill the fish, you know, you slap it outside the head. You know, it goes out. But the cow, you know, the cow puts on a big fight, doesn't it, to 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 kill it? So you know it's gonna come back and bite you. So you gotta be careful how much of the cow you're going to eat. And so yes, so if you have to kill it to eat it. Go easy on it, uh, but if you have to kill it to eat it, and it puts on a big bite, you really want to go easy because it's really gonna come back and uh, and bite you. So that's my uh, take. That's how I, you know, <laughs> uh, tell my folks. I talk to my folks about uh, lean, the lean part, and green. To go green. Really, you want to uh, anything from the ground. You're talking about green. You don't have to kill the green. You just have to pull it up from the ground. So you don't have to worry about that. You can eat all the greens you want. You don't have to worry about uh, it coming back and bite you anyway. So that's my, that's my take on it. Really, in your plates, your plates should be very colorful. Your plates should be, uh, be well-proportioned um, with uh, lean uh, protein and a lot of greens. And go easy on the carbohydrates. Especially the complex uh, processed carbohydrates like the pastas, potatoes, uh, bread, and rice. You go easy on those. I think uh, that will make for a good meal, a good diet to keep uh, your cholesterol within that range that we talked about: less than uh, 120 for the bad cholesterol, Mm -hmm. and and high as high in the 40s and 50s for your good cholesterol.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, it's so important for people to take responsibility, to know this, to be a little bit aggressive about, you know, it's ask your doc, doc, what does this mean? Go over this with me. Insist upon this and talk a little bit about the, the place of, of treatment that where a person might need to take a drug in the family where you hear the last name of statin. Mm -hmm. People don't want to take a statin or they say they want to try to work it out with diet and exercise first. And you just went over what some of the the dietary recommendations would be. And often though the patient, they say those words but they don't have a clue. And then their doctor doesn't seem to know how to guide them as to the best exercise or the best diet. So anyway, let's just take a little bit of a dive into what some of the pharmaceutical recommendations might be and when a person might need to consider that.
1: Yes. So I, I recognize that a lot of times you may need to be on some medications, uh, but, uh, but primarily, though, I really uh, stress to folks really uh, uh, to adapt the healthy – Dietary measure because a lot of times that is all the difference uh, there is because if you remember I said heart disease is a lifestyle disease that hypercholesterolemia is really a lifestyle so you really want to try to curtail you know all the cheese parties or whatever that maybe that you uh, uh, you like to do maybe not every every day, maybe once, a couple times times, once a week, uh, because it makes a difference. It makes a difference in that cholesterol, because uh, at the end of the day, you if you do not go to the pain and agony of making that adjustment now, you will be forced to make that adjustment later when you have that heart, heart disease or heart attack or heart failure. Mm-hmm. Now you can barely walk. You can barely enjoy those things that you like to do. So... Uh, on the being being on the forefront, being on the preventive uh, end of things, means that you're going to take uh, measures. You're going to be in control. You're going to be in charge of, of – you're going to be intentional about, okay, these are the adjustments that I want to make, and I'm going to make it happen. As opposed to now, you have no choice. Once the disease settles in, you have no choice. Now you lose all the control. Would I mean – I don't know about you, Cal, and I'm sure you, I'm sure you would choose on the side of really being in control. And that's what prevention, that's what the whole preventive approach gives us, that leverage. And that's what I want people to know. It gives us that opportunity to be in control of our life, of our, of our destiny, mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to now having that. Being taken away because I see it. I see it every day. It's real. You know, when, 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 once you have the heart failure, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a game changer. It's not, it's different. You can't, you can't do those things that you like to do anyway. You can't, you can't. You just can't. You want to. And that's what, that's the hardest part because you want to. Your mind is still sharp. You want to, but you can't. And that's the hardest part. That's the hardest adjustment that I've seen people make. And at that, at that time, it's it's not like they can take it back, and I can tell you so many times people will want to now go and, and make those adjustments. They will want to. I mean, they will they will, they, will, they will do anything to go make that adjustment. But they can, you know, Absolutely. so so that's why it's so critical, so important that you, Carol, uh, have that platform that you do what you do is so critical, so important to really empower people before they get to that point because that really what makes a difference. That's where true healthcare is about. That's what. That's what. That's what makes us different from the health system. The health
0: Absolutely. System. And what I love is that I can have this kind of conversation with you. And so when I'm looking to recommend someone. To see a cardiologist, I'm going to be recommending them to Dr. Sunil Corielis. And if you know you can't see them, I know that you would then give the referral to the you know a person who is thinking along those preventive terms. And we're part of a larger community where that is being cultivated. So okay. we've got some more comments and questions in here. Good morning, Dr. Erica, and welcome. We've got three, and you know what? We don't have to worry about going to a commercial break. So let's go with all of them and try to, we're going to try to compress these, you guys, in about uh, five to 10 more minutes. So, so from Linda, are certain blood types more susceptible to the COVID-19 virus? That's
1: a good question. And I, I know that question has uh, been raised and it's been looked into. But it has not been proven that any one blood type is more susceptible to COVID-19 than any other blood type. So, I, I, what I tell folks is, let's 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 go preventive. Let's take our preventive measures irrespective of our blood type. Uh, prevention is key. And so, if we can prevent it, and uh, we can prevent it, in just not just for ourselves, but for our loved ones, our friends, and family. Let's, let's go full heartedly. Let's go
0: for that. Absolutely. Yeah. So prevention seems to be our, our our a theme word coming up for us today. This is from Victoria. Quick question regarding METs or MET. So METs level and cardiac rehab. There is a lot of misinformation and conflicting information. Please clarify the levels with regards to physical activities.
1: Okay. Fantastic. Great question.
0: So. <laughs> Seven o'clock in the
1: morning, right? Uh, man, man, you you really do have an astute audience, and I uh, very sharp, very sharp. Uh, Sunday morning, oh wow, uh, that is uh, fantastic. So yes, we uh, we generally uh, think of formats formats as the bare bottom uh, level of physical activities that folks are able able to make or should be able to achieve. Uh, um, through, uh, uh, cardiac rehabilitation program. And, uh, what does that mean? That means that, uh, they at least are able to walk on a flat surface, you know, a good, uh, uh, 50 feet without having to stop, without having to be short of breath. And, uh, and, uh, also they should ab- be able to do the activity of daily livings that is, you know, able to, uh, take their uh, uh, shower and comb their hair and brush their teeth without having to stop or uh, being uh, short of breath. And uh, and so much so, I, 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 it's, it's funny, we're talking about cardiac rehab. Those are the folks who are affected by heart failure or having had that massive heart attack to the point where now they're not able to even brush their teeth without being short of breath. That is the level of dysfunction we're talking about, folks. That is the level of uh, really disability uh, that can happen when the disease settles in, and uh, not even talking about those who even uh, uh, who die from from the acute MI, right? So. So that's why, you know, we keep coming back to prevention. We keep coming back to the keyword prevention, uh which is key that is to have control. Now you have now you're in control. Let's maintain that level of control by making the right choices, by being intentional about the choices that we make because we know that if uh without doing that, then the the the, the we lose control and that leads us to a state where we're not able to uh yeah. do what we want to do. Uh, yes. Even the basic stuff.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you so much for that response. And now from Dr. Dietrich. What is, so, we're, go, we're going right back to the dietary considerations with our final question to wrap up our hour. So, what are your thoughts on the plant based diet, vegan slash vegetarian, on cardiovascular health? So, I think, you know, she wants us to drill down a little bit more on plant-based, on cardiovascular health?
1: I think, I think uh, plant-based is very cardiovascular-friendly, mm-hmm. plant-based diet. And so I think uh, we, as a society, eat a lot more meat than we actually need. I think it's probably goes back to the historical times when we had to do the, all the hunting and put uh, what uh, our prey on our back and climb the mountains and go and uh, do all that we need to do to it and uh, and until so we're able to consume it. We don't have to do that anymore. No. So. On that on that sense, when we're sitting at the uh, uh, you know we're sitting in front of the computer all day, we don't need to be eating all that meat. We don't need to to. And and furthermore, we understand inflammation. We understand inflammation. And uh, there's a lot of inflammatory uh, uh, processes that uh, uh, occurs when we consume all this uh, uh, all the meat that we do consume and again when we when i'm talking about meat especially the least lean meat the meat that comes back to bite us through many different ways either by clogging our arteries or by causing us heart attack or whatnot or um, so 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 definitely plant-based is really more uh uh uh, friendly because it causes more uh, a milieu, a less inflammatory milieu, mm-hmm. and the least inflammatory milieu is more cardiogenic and, and less likely to cause the cascade of uh, plaque deposition uh, and and axi- acidated, a- oxidation because we know that uh, the plaque uh, uh, buildup and plaque rupture is all. It's all inflammatory process. It's all uh, uh, oxidation-driven, uh, uh, and uh, and and not uh, and not uh, um, So 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 plant-based. If you all can make that transition, I've, uh, there are studies that have actually have proven that those who are actually have who have atherosclerosis, those who have had plaque buildup in their arteries. Um, who have made the adjustment to a plant-based diet, to a more uh, cardiogenic diet, uh, that is uh, more greens, more vegetables, less meat. They, 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 has been, uh, pro- they have been proven to reverse their uh, atherosclerosis. Uh, that is their plaque burden has shown to reverse, to decrease. Uh, through different studies that have uh, um, looked at the artery to different uh, 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 modalities, either to cardiac catheterizations or cardiac CT. So, we do know that uh, 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 that's for a fact. So, Dr. Dietrich, I think uh, for sure, uh place diet, diet is absolutely a good way forward uh, for those who are intentional about having a healthy heart. Uh, and total wellness.
0: Oh, well, again, Dr. Sunil, I just want to know that you'll come back on the show because as you can see, you know, we can just keep going. These... Of questions, this thought process, I really think that you, um, you have been provocative. We have the audience engaged, the questions are coming forward, and I have a feeling, you know, we could just go on and on and on. We could probably do a whole conference <laughs> just on cardiometabolic health and the importance of understanding these aspects of our health and then how this extrapolates into mind, body, and spirit, and it's kind of this beautiful intricate feedback loop that we are both you and I are dedicated to educating
1: that's right
0: the public, educating the population. It it what it's what gets us up in the morning. It, it's what motivates us. That's right. So I hope that you will promise to come back again as a guest.
1: Uh, Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Y'all heard that right? Y'all <laughs> heard that. And oh so what state are you in is a question.
1: I am in Philadelphia, the, All city, right. the city of Little. Can you feel I it?
0: Licensed <laughs> in Pennsylvania,
1: you yes. hold. Licensed in Pennsylvania, New Jersey. Uh, okay. Also have a license in New York. I I went to school in in uh, in New York, and uh, licensed in DC. I did some training in DC, okay. DC and Virginia. Uh, so so I'm, I'm licensed in those five states
0: so licensed in five states and so yes licensed in new jersey washington dc new york and where else virginia right yes 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 so it's not necessarily where the doctor lives it's where the doctor is licensed that determines where we can practice right. where we hold our licenses so um You know, and we could go into a whole show about that in and of itself because people don't necessarily understand that or or, or correlate that as well. But again, our our network is international, so you might not necessarily be able to practice, you know, come to one of our practices as a patient, but we're going to be able to refer you to like-minded physicians where you are and that's our goal because we're finding each other and we're finding those like-minded practitioners as well so next week i want you all to come back we are going to have as one of our super friends a nurse midwife um molly walker who is going to be here talking about uh the the menstrual cycle and the female fertility cycle and how that relates to our cycles of arousal. So sexual health, which is also very, very, very important. And I see Linda's dropping in the chat, hashtag meditation nation. She says very informative. Thank you and love to Miss Alma. Thank you. I'll receive that. So we want people to go back and we want you to watch this. We want you to share this, particularly if you know anyone that could use this information about cardiometabolic health and wellness, please share that with friends, families, colleagues. Please, we encourage you, your interaction in the the chat. Uh, Both Dr. Ellis and I will be able to respond to you. So we continue sharing of the information even after we sign off. And again, you know... Join me. Monday through Friday at 6.45 AM over at Dr. Carol Penn. That's my handle on all social media and meditate, meditate with me every morning. You heard Dr. Sunil mention that several times. It's a great tool of prevention. So if you don't get up at 6.45, watch the replay and just let me know you watched the replay. Drop it in the chat, hashtag replay. So 6.45 Monday through Friday morning, we will be doing um, our guided meditation. And we know that meditation, evidence-based, is supportive for cardiovascular health and wellness. All right. We have Kenny saying, great live, my people. Thank you for wisdom and doing the show. All right. All right. And thank you, DM, for dropping that in the chat. And I'll see you all Monday through Friday meditate oh you're welcome victoria and um we'll see you right back here next sunday next sunday so we're talking about the whole the menstrual cycle as it correlates to that cycle of desire now that's going to be a juicy show <laughs> oh and happy 69th wedding anniversary to my mom and my dad in heaven 69 69 Woo, beautiful beautiful wow. acknowledgements we'll be celebrating all day today Dr. Sunul, I can't thank you so much. As always, as always, I'm uplifted. I know more. We've engaged and exchanged, and I feel like the world's a better place. Certainly my world's a better place. Thank you for being in it.
1: Thank you, Carol. It really has been a tremendous uh, hour spending with you. It was uh, just as uh, enriching for me as it was for the greater community listening and uh, really I applaud you for the great work you're doing. Please uh, be safe.
0: All right, and there's in the chat, check out, uh, Kenny's reaching out to you. Maybe you can respond to him. He said, he needs some theme music. So yes, yeah, so if you need some theme music, this is a wonderful uh, superstar in, uh, in, in music okay. and, and yes. Yeah. So okay. There we go, there we go. There we go beautiful thing. It's a beautiful right. thing. The community is responding to you, Dr. Sunil. <laughs> That's right. That's
1: right. That's right. We're we, we excited. We're very excited. Right.
0: Anyway, Take you. care. Next week. Take oh, care. Monday morning to meditate. Don't forget. Meditate, meditate. Heart health. All right. All right. Bye. Okay. Salah.